Do you like the movies? I love the movies, which is why I'm mad. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. And uh, we're streaming just about every, everything known to man except, uh, like I said, MySpace earlier today. There's a movie coming out here shortly called Abigail, and I'm going to watch it. Because Abigail is completely an escapist movie. It's about a little girl who's a ballerina who gets kidnapped by a bunch of, you know, uh, well, not quite Gen Z. Yeah, I guess they, some of them are Gen Zers. And they're kidnapping her because they're going to make $50 million by kidnapping her. Except, unfortunately, they've kidnapped a vampire. And she proceeds to massacre them. And I'm going to, and she does it while she pirouettes and dances and she's a ballerina. And that's just escapist. And I'm going to watch it. And that's why I watch movies, to, to escape reality. I, I want to be entertained in the same vein that I'm looking at a book. You know, I watch a movie to, to you know, let my creative muscle expand. So now we have James, the James Bond film series, uh, over 50 years old, um, starting with Sean Connery. Everybody that's played James Bond has been a rogue in some form or fashion. You know, it depends, and it depends on your particular poison as to which one you like. I have watched all of them. I like all of them. They're going to be, according to the British Film Institute, this year, and apparently they refer to this year as this season because apparently the season's reset. Uh, then, uh, you know, the uh, every time a new year starts, so the 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 film viewing season, I guess, is what it is. They're going to put all of the Bond films behind trigger warnings. Now, for most of us, this is more of that insanity I was talking about earlier, more of that crazy that we just go along with. So a lot of, you know, the heaviness, you know, shoulders sagging, oh my God, now what? Some consultant that went to the same college as that stupid marketing rep or, ad or manager for Budweiser, is now in charge of the BFI. <laughs> so, of course, they came for Bond, right? This is the guy, you know, that with a license to kill. And, you know, think about the way each one of these films opens up, right? You see James Bond walking down. It's always whoever's playing James Bond. He might be wearing a fedora or whatever. Uh, you know, you're looking down the barrel of a gun at him, now, through the barrel of a gun, he pulls out his Walther PPK and shoots you right between the eyes, and your blood begins to curtain over your vision. And then it moves on to the opening credits where you have these nubile silhouettes, normally naked, but silhouettes nonetheless, you know, flipping and dancing and shimmying through some sort of idealized plasma. And that's how they all open. But now, after all of this, after 50-plus years of this, now the BFI thinks you need a warning about language and images and other content that reflect views prevalent in its time but will cause offense today, as they did then. I guess you might black out if you didn't know that was coming. And, uh, you know, my first thought is just kill me, James Bond. Kill me now. You know, when I saw some of this, in the beginning, when as a younger man, you know, because this was, you know, this started when I was two or one or something. I can't remember. Um, I found it normal, 
that some a lot of the things James Bond did, who doesn't want to get a pretty, if you're a guy and you claim to be a guy, who doesn't want to have a pretty girl? Who doesn't want to, you know, kiss one or, or hang out with them? If you're a guy, who doesn't want to be the guy that can fight everybody and fight impossible odds? Who doesn't want to be that? But no, according to the BFI, this is shocking and depraved. And it will also precipitate mental health events if you don't adopt the brace position. <laughs> and remember, they used to show all of the James Bond movies on TV. Not with any particular edits, because there's nothing particularly racy put in these things. Just with cuts for the commercials. Right? And, uh, it, you know, some, some of the stuff is, I mean, in the same vein as John Wick. John Wick has become quite cartoonish, but it's still great entertainment. But, according to the BFI, this is, this is just like having asbestos and lead paint in your house. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get out there and try to make you understand or think, get you to think that Bond is Shakespeare, okay? It's not. They were excellent entertainment in their day. They're still excellent entertainment now. And, uh, you know, I started really watching James Bond and understanding what I was looking at with during the Roger Moore era. And some of the stuff that they, you know, some of the stuff they filmed and some of the locations they filmed and everything... Um, it was, uh, you know, it was just stunning, some of the stuff. Of course, it also reflected the times, you know, because this was in the 70s. So remember Terry Jacks? We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun. This is the kind of stuff that was playing in this time. I never read the books because the books were a little too long-winded for me. Right? I, I never wanted to know about how to double clutch or declutch at altitude. I didn't want to know the correct ratio of vodka to vermouth. I just wanted to see Bond get that martini shaken, not stirred. What do you get with the Bond movie? You get locations, you get cars, you get you get cars, rather girls, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. It's stupendous. Everybody's trying to reimagine James Bond. They tried to do it with the Bourne, the, the Bourne series. Uh, recently, uh, Operation Fortune came out with Jason Statham, which is pretty good. I mean, it was pretty good entertainment. Not like Bond. Not like Bond, right? So, right now, as the education educated minions of the college uh, system is coming out right now, and they're sending into jobs, they're taking and destroying everything they touch. There was a book that came out, The Coddling of the American Mind, back in 2018. They argued that overprotection is having a ne negative effect on university students, and the use of trigger warnings in safe spaces does more harm than good. Well, yeah. It does, because there's no such thing as a safe space. So, what it boils down to, what we have to do, what we should be doing, instead of, you know... We should not prepare the road for the child. We should prepare the child for the road. Humans can be anti-fragile. And accommodating those who feel the need, protecting only breeds further weakness. We have to build up their emotional immune system. They have to learn the impact of real life to develop the antibodies, or as we used to call it, thick skin. And this, not doing this, only creates further trouble ahead.
It really is a very thin veneer keeping the world together right now today. When the analog generations are gone, what then? What then? Yes, James Bond is a rogue. Yes, James Bond is a chauvinist. He's a lot of things, but he's also entertainment. It's a story. It's much like humor is now today. There's a lot of people that are, I, I mean, I saw somewhere where they're getting ready to try to outlaw humor because of the triggering effects it can have. Please toughen up. Could you? Just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, you know, there was a, a James Coburn did a, a film called In Like Flint, which was sort of a uh, James Bond takeoff. And he was more James Bondish than James Bond was, wasn't he? But that's the other thing. For those of us that uh, don't care too much for trigger warnings, anytime they tell me I can't have something, that just makes me want it a whole bunch more. Now, don't it? It does. Right now in Davos, we have a bunch of Bond villains out there right now today. And one thing that I don't think you've ever taken into consideration, you hear about how they want to do this to you and want to do that to you. you should, I'm going to tell you about what they do to amuse themselves in Davos. And I, you can't make this kind of stuff up. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. I'm just listening to the bump. Just, you know, bear with me on this. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 905 the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. I am streaming everywhere. That's I'm going to put that on my business card. I stream everywhere. One of the reasons I'll never be invited to Davos is I'd be sitting beside somebody and we'd be looking down on the stage and there would be this indigenous female witch up there with her face painted, speaking in some language I don't understand, and coughing in various general directions, and then going down the line and coughing in each other's face, in everybody's face. And I would be sitting there going, how come nobody's punching her in the head? I'd be thoroughly confused. I would not be going, oh, 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 how great, how wonderful. I'd just be going, I'm confused. So while you have this crowd that are completely open about their desire to ruin and run your life with their totalitarian plan, uh, they still need, feel the need to virtue signal about how much they care about you, the little person. So they invite the indigenous tribal peoples of the world. And they show up, and uh, or they invite the interpretive dancers. They're, you know, it's, it's, the same thing happens in the EU as well, by the way. Weird performances by exotic people doing incomprehensible things. This is what they, they, they just suck this up like a sponge. Uh And, you know, the, the, the truth of the matter is they respect indigenous peoples as much as I respect the Joe Biden intellect and integrity quotient. I mean, think about this. You got a bunch of CEOs and world leaders sitting on a panel watching the, the uh, you know, the, uh, the, the indigenous witch saying whatever she's saying, face painted. And then she lets them come down the line and spit right in their faces. Right? And they don't do, and nobody's getting punched. And when your whole shtick is caring about Mother Earth and wanting to save the little people who likely already eat bugs, 
Well, they feel an obligation to act semi-respectfully. <laughs> I saw one where one of the uh, there was an interpretive dance accompanying a jazzy throat singer's performance. Uh, it's a dude in a diaper thrusting his hips at the crowd while you have the uh, singer just sort of making noise out of their mouth. Now, I want to know. <laughs> I want to know why these people look at that thing, that, that, that sort of thing and think this, this is something we need to bring into our confab of Bond, Bond villains as we get ready to take over and rule the world. It's like Pinky in the brain. You know, Pinky always had a plan to rule the world. And yet the stupidity that happens around them, are they actually entertained by this stuff? Here's the other thing. And uh, here's the other thing. John Kerry goes to this. John Kerry could never, ever be confused with being superlative or smart or bright. At best, most of these people there are midwits who are backed by some very smart people who know how to pull the levers of power. So most of the time, success is brought together by somebody's ability to put together a team who can get things done, or they have chosen, they've been chosen by a smart and capable person who does it for them. So Kerry may not be smart, but some smart people rallied around him and made him into their gravy train, and it's working. And the same goes for all of these people that go to these ridiculous WEF forums and think tanks and emporiums and all this. I'm tempted to believe that their aides made them sit through it to humiliate them. And they do the same thing at the EU Parliament. It's, and there's one there's one thing in common between the EU and uh, the WEF. Neither one of those guys, neither one of them are elected. None of, none of the people that gets there are elected in most cases. So, uh, you know, I find it hard to take these people seriously, right? I and this is and the reason I keep bringing up some of this stuff about the WEF. Yes, they have bad intentions for us. The only problem with it is that they're not going to be able to make it stick. They're just not going to be able to make it stick. I don't care how many leaders they have and everything else. Leaders come and go. They come and go. Um this reminds me, I, 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 was, I was back in, back in the mid-20-teens, I don't remember when it was. It was when Obama was president. Uh, another piece of gun legislation had come up, and the headline screamed, Congress calls for this! And I went looking at it, and it was one guy who would put a bill together with no co-sponsors. And this is why I say politics is perception. If you think the WEF is an existential threat. The very best we can get from them is that they want to be an existential threat. They want to save the world for themselves. And for, you know, Zuckerman. Zuckerman has made some 100-acre underground bunker in Hawaii. I don't know what, what that might actually be used for. The problem with hunkering down anywhere is eventually it doesn't matter if you have five years of provisions or not. Sooner or later, you reach five years, then what? Then what? So 
all of these things that they they, they put together and all these things they try to do you got to understand that without any without any ability to project force it's just not going to happen it's just not going to happen uh if joe biden wakes up tomorrow and decides that he's going to suspend the constitution he's getting rid of congress and everything else he can say that all he wants but it'll be sort of like it was in New Mexico when Lujan Grisham decided to take away guns. Even her attorney general said, no, you can't do that. And she was standing by herself making all this noise, just looking ridiculous like some, like some mad woman. She still is today. We do have big, deep problems. We have big, deep divisions. And all of it has to do with what we, what we see. And now on the text line, Bill, the problem is WEF owns politicians worldwide. Well, they may very well do so. This is, and let's think about this. So in the House of Representatives, you have 435 people. Anytime we elect some new guy that's going to come in there and change the whole world, do you actually believe that's going to happen? Owning politicians, look at who they are. What have they done? What do they do? If they get on TV a lot and talk and don't actually move the chains, it does not matter who gets owned by whom. One of the biggest, uh, the, the, the worst lessons that I've ever had to endure was I really believed in Trey Gowdy. And uh, Trey, I believe Trey went in there with a, with a full expectation that he was going to do his very level best, and then things changed, as they always do whenever you get in power, which even... That is a perception because there is no member of the House of Representatives and there's no member. All of that's a bubble up there in D.C. They can come out and say everything is banned and all this other stuff. All these other things. Look, uh, have we got time for that? We got time for that? Let's go to, let's go, let me, let me pop that back up there again. Uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, Todd and Fountain Inn. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Good morning, Bill. Um, yes, sir. Thanks for taking my call. You were you were talking about some of the transgender stuff and pronouns and this and that. Um, I was out and about this weekend, seen the funniest thing. Um, this one, he, it, whatever. He was going off on someone because they mispronounced him. Ah. Okay. Yeah. So this lady steps up and she says, excuse me, ma'am. And he was like, oh, thank you. And she's like, oh, you're right. She's like, I wonder what you think about my hair. And he was like, oh, you're a beautiful brunette. And she went off. She said, I am a blonde. And if you see anything else, you are a big and just blonde, blah, 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 blah. And he said, well, how am I supposed to know you're a blonde? You're clearly a brunette. You're not. And she said, the same reason I'm supposed to know you're a female when you're clearly a man. And I was like, <laughs> I wasn't involved in the conversation, but I got very interested in it and i was like that was awesome so someone would pronoun did we lose time oh, it was it, yeah. it was hilarious so you know the uh that that's what happens when you paint a target on your back nobody ever the only people that call me lady know me really well and they know what might be coming with that so todd let me jump i'm yeah. running out of time thank you for the call sir yeah you know, if there if there's a problem trying to identify who somebody is, that's that that that's that's a whole other issue altogether. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Nan Su from Epic Times because the Taiwan election has been held. Let's get the requiem of that, shall we? This is News Talk ninety eight nine W O R D.
Well, Taiwan has held their elections. What? And, you know, they've elected somebody. They counted all the votes and they've elected somebody. Joining me now from Epic Times is Nansu. I understand that you have limited time, so you just let me know when you got to go. Tell me, uh, I, I'm presuming China's not happy with this election. Of course, China has already expressed they're angry, and, well, what can they do? You know, the, the society in Taiwan didn't like them. They don't want to, they didn't want to elect a, a new president that's, that's going to go very close to China. So they, uh, they elected the current uh, vice president of Taiwan so he can continue the current uh, uh, Taiwan's government's China policy, which is to, you know, to stay strong, to deter all the threats from the Chinese government, and to uh, to keep Taiwan as its own country. Right. Now, they made a bunch of noise and everything, and Antony Blinken sent his, uh, his message of congratulations. Uh, China seems to make out like, oh, you guys shouldn't have done that. Is that just them rattling sabers, or is there something behind that? Oh, yeah, the Chinese uh, foreign ministry is very busy now because Taiwan, Taiwan's new president uh, received more than 50 countries all around the world congratulate their, <laughs> their, their winning candidates. So uh, the foreign ministry of China must be very busy sending all the protests, the messages to all around the world. So... Now, does this accelerate Taiwan's plan or the plans for China with Taiwan? Or is this, I mean, is this a surprise no, that it was going to go China, this way? China is, well, China is not going to attack the Taiwan because they elect a new leader because it doesn't change anything. He's the current vice president. He's just going to continue the current China policy. Now, the only, uh, you know, uh, uh, the only reason that China may be, you know, decide to attack Taiwan is if their economy, you know, really go down to the level that the society will raise up all the, you know, social uh, conflict to really be out of control of the government, then they may choose to invade Taiwan so they can start this uh, uh, martial law to take control of the country. So they're not going to attack Taiwan. But however, they're going to do a bunch of things. For example, uh, it just like two days ago, there's a Pacific uh, uh, island country named uh, Nauru. They, uh, they made a public announcement they're going to cut off their uh, diplomatic relation with Taiwan, but then at the same time, to, they're going to start a diplomatic relation with China. Now, based on the report, China gave that small country $137 million in order to make that change. Keep in mind, that country's total population is only 13,000 people. Which meaning, you know, Chinese government pretty much gave uh, $10,000 per every person living in that country in order to, for their country uh, to, you know, cut off their diplomatic relation with Taiwan. Now, Taiwan only have uh, 13 countries that have diplomatic re relation with Taiwan's government. So, that, that, so now that's minus one. For Taiwan, that's a huge loss, but that's not going to change Taiwan. Hmm. 
So, uh, is that some? Is that what you got to go for? Is that what I hear? Uh, said again. I, I, well, I know that you got to go here shortly. I'm just trying to keep up with things no, and make I'm sure. No, I'm fine. Just uh, one more minute. Okay. So with this, right? Uh, is this something that has now made things hotter between them, or is it like you said? China plans on doing what they're going to do in order to alleviate what's going on internally in China. Is that what, I mean, so that means it doesn't matter what Taiwan does, right? That they're going to do what it they're going to do. It doesn't matter what Taiwan does. Uh, it doesn't matter what, you know, all around the world that other nations doing. It's the, it's the regime's number one priority is, is to keep its own ruling power. So uh, we, we, we can, you know, trust the regime we just have to be ready and we just have to be make taiwan very strong and make the uh, u.s military uh, ready and you know make sure that our military personnel men and women are well equipped so we can make a timely response right well i guess i guess we're going to see how that works up uh any any surprises to who won the election in Taiwan for you? Did was this guy always going to win that won it? Well, uh, he won as expected, and yeah, he actually won with a little more margin than I expected. So, which is good that. Was there anybody actually running for president that was out there going, you know what, we need to go back and put all this behind us between us and the mainland and learn just to be the one China that we all want to be? Was there anybody running on that platform against this guy? That no. Won? No? Nobody. Nobody running <laughs> on that platform. <laughs> I, I just wondered two, about that. The other two candidates comparing with the, 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 the elected one, it was just a little softer. Right. But nobody was out there saying, well, you know, whatever uh, Xi Jinping wants is what we should do. And uh, nobody was doing that, were they? No, no, no. no. Hey, I, and Bill, I have to go. Thank you for joining me this morning, Nan. And with that, he's gone. Nan Su, Epic Times. Uh, what makes China important is China is waiting. China fully intends to annex Taiwan. And that will cause some issues for us when they do. And uh, they're waiting to see what we do and how we do it. They've been observing the United States for a very long time uh, via Afghanistan and Iraq. And uh, now they get to observe them again with, uh, you know, Israel and Ukraine. So they're in a holding pattern. And that's they're just waiting for a moment to come along. But whatever happened in Taiwan with this election, it never was going to change anything. This is something they're going to have to do. And they're going to, they want to do it and take very little damage as they do it. So that's what makes this different. When we get back, uh, somebody's gotten out there and decided that Joe Rogan is a, uh, he's a right wing threat. And I'm just like, what? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. See, what I'm about to illustrate for you is what happens when they take, when the, when the leftists have taken the Democratic Party so far to the left, anything that doesn't agree with them becomes extreme right, no matter what it is. GS Plumbing talk line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. There was a uh, civil service counterterrorism course in London 
And they referred to journalist Douglas Murray and uh, comedian podcaster Joe Rogan as examples of far-right extremists. <laughs> and the lecturer said that the attendees, told the attendees that the society needed to find ways to suppress these figures. But the problem is they have millions of followers, so deplatforming them would, would not actually suppress them, and it would also cause issues. Now, Joe Rogan is not far right at all. And uh, the problem here is that, uh, like I said, when they drag the left, when they drag whatever party that is not pro-country, whatever, wherever they're at, you know, populist, whatever you, you want to call it, when they drag it so far to the left that anything else that just doesn't line up in lockstep with them, that becomes far right. Now, the other thing that came out of this, and this is, now remember now, this is supposed to, like I said, this is supposed to be a counterterrorism course. Other lecturers at this course were sympathetic towards the Islamist extremists. Now, this took place before 7 October, but, you know, they, they were considering Hamas in this as freedom fighters in, within the, this course. And, uh, you know, Hamas is a proscribed terrorist group under UK law, yet the lecturers were warning civil servants of the risk of making moral judgments about Islamist terrorists. And see, this is why, this is, this is where the biggest problem comes in for me. One of the reasons I advocate a warrior mindset is that a warrior would only look at these people as silhouettes. There's no moral judgment on this. These are the bad guys. That's it. That's as far as it goes. They're coming. I'm waiting. That's that's it. Not doing so means that you regard them and you throw so many little details in there that it, you confuse yourself. Now, this means that proscribed Islamist groups like Hamas, they receive soft treatment from supposed extremism experts. So why is this happening in academia? And why is it that if you're classified as a far-right extremist, you merely have to express mildly right-leaning views like freedom of speech, but to be deemed an Islamist, Islamist extremist, you have to practically be on a path to joining ISIS. And that's because of the dominance of the left wing in academia, academia today. They're shaping the discussion of extremism according to their own worldview. And all of this stuff that's happening in academia, while you're sitting there going, oh, well, what a waste of money to educate my child this way. Uh, look at what it's doing. Look at all the little things that it involves. These people that are learning these things will be the statesmen next year, you know, later on down the road. They'll be the, the leaders. They'll be the elected officials. They are the marketing directors for Budweiser. They're the marketing directors for, uh, you know, for Target. This view that they've been given, this, this indoctrination they've been given through upper education, is going, it, it, it is a, this is actually a threat, much more so than the World Economic Forum is. Because these guys are really believers, and they're here. And uh, until something uh, snatches them enough to where they, they, they have that cathartic moment, um, well, 
part of this is all about money, too. It's just like Nan was talking about with uh, China buying off uh, certain countries to break off diplomatic relations. A lot of the British and American universities receive funding from Gutter. Gutter is a sponsor and host of the Muslim Brotherhood and Hamas, and they've long invested in softening the image of Islamist extremism in the West. So, first things first, none of this, nothing about Islam is compatible with the life that you lead today. The life that you think that you lead today has nothing to do and is not compatible with the Islamic outlook. So as they try to soften this, this is just to get a moment to get in here. It's the same thing as a, a ceasefire would be in in Gaza right now. It has nothing to do with wanting to seek peace. It's all about just regrouping. And there's a lot of guys that are, you know, I mean, Tulsi Gabbard, she, she's considered a right-wing extremist. Azar Normani. Ayan Hirsi Ali, highly respected people like uh, Lorenzo Vidino. These people are thought of as Islamophobes. That makes them far right. I'll be back with you tomorrow. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.